from the day of his surgery until his death in 2008 every person at your met every song he heard every room he entered was a completely fresh experience his brain was frozen in time each day he was befuddled by the fact that someone could change the television channel by pointing a black rectangle of plastic at the screen he introduced himself to his doctors and nurses over and over dozens of times each day i loved learning about hm because memory seemed like such a tangible exciting way to study the brain squire told me i grew up in ohio and i can remember in first grade my teacher handling everyone crayons and i started mixing all the colors together to see if it would make black why have i kept that memory but i can't remember what my teacher looked like why does my brain decide that one memory is more important than another when square received the images of eugene's brain he marveled at how similar it seemed to hms there were empty walnut sized chunks in the middle of both their heads eugene's memory just like hms had been removed as square began examining eugene though he saw that this patient was different from hm in some profound ways whereas almost everyone knew within minutes of meeting hm that something was amiss eugene would carry on conversations and perform tasks that wouldn't alert a casual observer that anything was wrong the effects of hm's surgery had been so debilitating that he was institutionalized for the remainder of his life eugene on the other hand lived at home with his wife hm couldn't really carry on conversations eugene in contrast had an amazing knack for guiding almost any discussion to a topic he was comfortable talking about at length such as satellites he had worked as a technician for an aerospace company or the weather square started his exam of eugene by asking him about his youth eugene talked about the town where he had grown up in central california his time in the merchant marines a trip he had taken to australia as a young man he could remember most of the events in his life that had occurred prior to about 1960 when square asked about later decades eugene politely changed the topic and said he had trouble recollecting some recent events square conducted a few intelligence tests and found that eugene's intellect was still sharp for a man who couldn't remember the last 3 decades what's more eugene still had all the habits he had formed in his youth so whenever square gave him a cup of water or complimented him on a particular detailed answer eugene would thank him and offer a compliment in return whenever someone entered the room eugene would introduce himself and ask about their day but when square asked eugene to memorize a string of numbers or describe the hallway outside the laboratory's door the doctor found his patient couldn't retain any new information for more than a minute or so when someone showed eugene photos of his grandchildren he had no idea who they were when square asked him if he remembered getting sick 
Eugene said he had no recollection of his illness or the hospital stay. In fact, Eugene almost never recalled that he was suffering from amnesia. His mental image of himself didn't include memory loss. And since he couldn't remember the injury, he couldn't conceive of anything being wrong. In the months after meeting Eugene, Squire conducted experiments that tasted the limits of his memory. By then, Eugene and Beverly had moved from Playa del Rey to San Diego to be closer to their daughter, and Squire often visited their home for his exams. One day, Squire asked Eugene to sketch a layout of his house. Eugene couldn't draw rudimentary maps showing where the kitchen or bedroom was located. When you get out of bed in the morning, how do you leave your room? Squire asked. You know, Eugene said, I'm not really sure. Squire took notes on his laptop and as the scientist typed, Eugene became distracted. He glanced across the room and then stood up, walked into the hallway and opened the door to the bathroom. A few minutes later, the toilet flushed, the faucet ran and Eugene, wiping his hand on his pants, walked back into the living room and sat down again in his chair next to Squire. He waited patiently for the next question. At the time, no one wondered how a man who couldn't draw a map of his home was able to find the bathroom without hesitation. But that question and others like it would eventually lead to a trail of discoveries that has transformed our understanding of habits power. It would help spark a scientific revolution that today involves hundreds of researchers who are learning for the first time to understand all the habits that influences our lives. As Eugene sat at the table, he looked at Squire's laptop. That's amazing, he said, gesturing at the computer. You know, when I was in electronics, there would have been a couple of six-foot racks holding that thing. <laughs> in the first few weeks after they moved into their new house, Beverly tried to take Eugene outside each day. The doctors had told her that it was important for him to get exercise. And if Eugene was inside too long, he drove Beverly crazy, asking her the same questions over and over in an endless loop. So each morning and afternoon, she took him on a walk around the block, always together and always along the same route. The doctors had warned Beverly that she would need to monitor Eugene constantly. If he ever got lost, they said, he would never be able to find his way home. But one morning while she was getting dressed, Eugene slipped out the front door. He had a tendency to wander from room to room, so it took her a while to notice he was gone. When she did, she became frantic. She ran outside, scanned the street. She couldn't see him. She went to the neighbor's house and pounded on the windows. Their homes looked similar. Maybe Eugene had become confused and had gone inside. She ran to the door and rang the bell until someone answered. Eugene wasn't there. 
she sprinted back to the street, running up the block, screaming Eugene's name. She was crying. What if he had wandered into the traffic? How would he tell anyone where he lived? She had been outside for 15 minutes already, looking everywhere. She ran home to call the police. When she burst through the door, she found Eugene in the living room, sitting in front of the television, watching the history channel. Her tears confused him. He didn't remember leaving. He said didn't know where he had been and couldn't understand why she was so upset. Then Beverly saw a pile of pine cones on the table like the one she had seen in a neighbor's yard down the street. She came closer and looked at Eugene's hands. His fingers were sticky with sap. That's when she realized that Eugene had gone for a walk by himself. He had wandered down the street and collected some souvenirs and he had found his way home. Soon Eugene was going for walks every morning. Beverly tried to stop him. It was pointless. Even if I told him to stay inside, he wouldn't remember a few minutes later, she told me. I followed him a few times to make sure he wouldn't get lost, but he always came back. Sometimes would return with pine cones or rocks. Once he came back with wallet, another time with a puppy, he never remembered where they came from. When Squire and his assistants heard about these walks, they started to suspect that something was happening inside Eugene's head that didn't have anything to do with his conscious memory. They designed one experiment. One of Squire's assistants visited the house one day and asked Eugene to draw a map of the block where he lived. He couldn't do it. How about where his house was located on the street, she asked. He doodled a bit and then forgot the sound. She asked him to point out which doorway led to the kitchen. Eugene looked around the room. He didn't know, he said. She asked Eugene what he would do if he were hungry. He stood up, walked into the kitchen, opened a cabinet and took down a jar of nuts. Later that week, a visitor joined Eugene on his daily stroll. They walked for about 15 minutes through the perpetual spring of Southern California, the scent of bougainvillea heavy in the air. Eugene didn't say much, but he always led the way and seemed to know where he was going. He never asked for directions. As they rounded the corner near his house, the visitor asked Eugene where he lived. I don't know exactly, he said. Then he walked up his sidewalk, opened his front door, went to the living room and turned on the television. It was clear to Square that Eugene was absorbing new information, but where inside his brain was that information resident? How could someone find a jar of nuts when he couldn't say where the kitchen was located? Or find his way home when he had no idea which house was his? How? Squire wondered when new patterns forming inside Eugene's damaged brain. Within the building that houses the Brain and Cognitive Sciences Department of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology are laboratories that contain what to the casual observer look like dollhouse versions of surgical theatres. There are tiny scalpels, small drills, and miniature saws less than a quarter inch wide attached to robotic arms. 
Even the operating tables are tiny, as if prepared for child-sized surgeons. The rooms are always kept at a chilly 60 degrees because a slight nip in the air steadies researchers' fingers during delicate procedures. Inside these laboratories, neurologists cut into the skulls of anesthetized rats, implanting tiny sensors that can record the smallest changes inside their brains. When the rats wake, they hardly seem to notice that there were now dozens of microscopic wires arrayed like neurological spider webs inside their heads. These laboratories have become the epicenter for quite revolution in the science of habit formation and the experiments unfolding here explain how Eugene, as well as you, me and everyone else developed the behavior necessary to make it through each day. The rats in these labs have eliminated the complexity that occurs inside our head. Whenever we do something as mundane as brush our teeth or back the car out of the driveway. And for Square, these laboratories help explain how Eugene managed to learn new habits.